uh, at least uh, most of them. Uh, we have our pre-K class and stuff that are still meeting, but most of them are in here today. And the purpose of family service is simply that we want kids to be able to watch the way that their parents worship and to be in here with them and for parents to see their kids worshiping. But even more than that is that we're one church family. So whether you are single, you're married, you have kids, no kids, grandkids, young, old, it doesn't matter. Today we're going to just take a moment um, to be together and recognize that we're one family here uh, at Genesis Church. And because this is family service, I thought we would do something fun today. Is everybody up for that? Okay, so I thought we'd play a, a quick screen game. Listen, I just don't, don't feel bad when Jerry's up here and he doesn't do fun stuff, okay? He loves you guys still, but we're going to do something fun. This is something that we do uh, with our students, and it's called Nailed It or Failed It. And so here's how it's going to work. I'm going to show you a clip of a video, and it's going to just show you the first half, and then it's going to pause. And then I want you to vote, thumbs up, thumbs down. Do you think they're going to nail it? Good idea? Fail it. Bad idea, okay? That's it. Everybody with me? All right, let's let's watch this first clip. What what do we think? What do we think? Nail it, fail it? Okay, keep that answer up. Here we go. Yes. Impressive, impressive. Okay, here's another one. We're gonna keep rolling. Here we go. Everybody got it, the idea? We're good? I don't see anyone thinking that this is going well. Okay, here we go. Here's the answer. Now, Jerry just got a brand new truck, brand new to him truck, and I told him, I think his truck could do it. I, I really do. I, give it a try. I got a tree in my front yard, Jerry. Okay, so uh, next, next one. Can I just say, no matter what happens here, this is a bad idea? Okay, all right, here's the answer. Yes. Thank you, God. Oh, man. I don't think God helped you there. I don't think he wanted you to do that. Okay, here's the thing. Sometimes uh, we nail things and we fail things. All right, I want you to check out this last video. goodness. All right, fun? Are we having fun? Hey, if, you, if you're like me, then sometimes you might feel this way about life, right? Sometimes in life, we, we nail it. Sometimes we fail it. When it comes to raising our kids, uh, when it comes to our jobs, when it comes to students, when it comes to high school, uh, when it comes to college, if we have any college students in here, uh, when it comes to our sp uh, sports, or maybe just the year 2020 alone. Um, but I think we can all agree, it, sometimes it's just hard to determine what is right and what's wrong, right, in life. And before you know it, we're trying to make decisions. We're hoping that we're going to nail it and not fail it. And some of us have learned in life that not always succeeding is just a part of life, right? Maybe some of us have learned that uh, the hard way. Well, today we're going to take a look at a specific passage of scripture that's going to help us stay on track when it comes to our life. So hopefully we'll nail it and not fail it. Now, Many of you uh, may know that since the beginning of the year, uh, we've been on a journey together as a church family, and we've been reading through the Bible from beginning uh, to end. And uh, we're going to actually uh, take a look at, uh, we're going to actually take a look at today the, uh, a passage, Psalm 1, that's going to reflect what we've been, uh, what we've been calling this journey, which is planted. And so uh, we've, been, we've been calling this planted, and the whole idea of this uh, comes out of Psalm 1. And so if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn there now. You can uh, pull out your Bible, or if you have the Bible app on your phone, uh, go ahead and turn to Psalm 1. And I would actually like to invite up Jacob right now, uh, if you want to welcome him to the stage. 
He's going he's gonna to read this passage for us today. Now, what's, uh, what's wonderful about the Psalms is while, yes, they're inspired words uh, by God, uh, they're also a compilation of prayers and praises and poems, and uh, they're written by human authors. And so everything we're going to read today is just written by a regular person like you and I. And so I hope that that's kind of a comforting reminder uh, today and maybe relatable as we read through this text. So are you ready? Here, let me get you a microphone. I know that you can talk loud, but I think this will help. There you go. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers, not so the wicked, not so the wicked. They are like chaff. That the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, or sinners, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way, but the way of the wicked will perish. Thanks, Jacob. Appreciate it. Give him a hand, real quick here. Lay this down. So, hey, will you pray with me for a moment? Father, we just uh, we come to you, and as we open your word today, uh, we just pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to us. Um, Father, um, I know we know the way that your Holy Spirit works, that it um, may speak to us individually today in different ways. And so, Father, whatever it is that, that you are, you're wanting to say to each of us individually, um, God, would you convict our hearts? Would you speak to us? Um, Lord, would we be uh, open and willing and, and be listening to your voice today um, as we look into this psalm? And we pray all of this in your son's name. Amen. So the psalmist opens up with four simple words in Psalm 1. Blessed is the one. And the writer's saying, hey, if you want a blessed life, if you want, uh, if you want a life that has abundant joy, if you want a life that has true happiness, then listen up. This, this is for you, okay? Um, but what's strange is how the writer goes about uh, uh, telling us this, because he says, hey, if you want to receive this blessing, I'm going to start off by telling you not what you should do, but what you shouldn't do. Uh, take a look at Psalm 1.1. 1, 1. Uh, he says, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. And it's fascinating. You may see the, uh, the pattern that emerges here. Walk, stand, sit. And, and uh, why not just say, blessed is the one who does not uh, hang out with wicked sinners? And uh, why, why this pattern? Well, it's intentional because at first glance, uh, this seems so harmless, right? Like what's so wrong with, with walking? Uh, what's, what's wrong with that? But the psalmist is actually cluing us in on a pattern that, that eventually, if we were to follow this or fall into this, is quickly going to turn into a down, downward spiral, so take a look again. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked. Psalmist says, we shouldn't walk with the wicked. We shouldn't walk with the evil. No, but walking is just harmless, right? We, we walk with people all the time. Uh, we, we walk down to the hall or we, we walk uh, to the cafeteria with people. We watch, walk to the lunchroom. We walk to the break room. Um, but ultimately what happens when we walk with somebody? we end up in the same place as the person we're walking with, right? Um, so maybe it's not so much the, the walking part, but rather the psalmist is saying, hey, you need to be aware of who you're walking with. But let me ask you, have you ever uh, been walking with someone and you're having a conversation with them and it got so good that uh, before you know it, uh, you're, you're super engaged and the conversation's so amazing you had to just stop walking, and even though walking is something that we just do almost mindlessly without even thinking about it, like me right now, just pacing around the stage, maybe you realize that, maybe not, and we don't, we don't even think about it, but now, uh, now you're so caught up in this conversation that you're just, you're standing, and you're, you're at this standstill, and you're, you're fully engaged in this conversation now. And then the conversation has gotten so good. It's gotten so amazing. It's gotten so delicious. You know the kind of conversation I'm talking about. You got to know what's going on, so you have a seat. Walk and talk, right? Sometimes that's just, that's too much thinking. Um, stand and, and walk, or stand and talk, that's, that's too much energy, right? But sit, yes, now you can focus all of your attention, everything on this one thing. And at this point, you're fully invested, right? Little is going to pull you away from something when you're, when you're sitting. You're here to stay now. You're fully committed, all of your energy on this one thing, you see this pattern that the, the psalmist is telling us to be aware of? The things that stop us in our tracks. Which brings up a prompting question. Uh, 
who or what are you letting take all of your time and your attention, right? It kind of, it, it kind of asks that question of us. So much so, though, that we can't even walk because now we're giving this thing or this person all of our attention. For many of us, it might be, it might be these things. It might be our phones. Uh, it might be social media. It, it could be work. Uh, it could be video games. Uh, maybe it's a certain guy or girl. Students, you know what I'm talking about. It can be kind of distracting at times. If they're in the room, don't look at them. Um, maybe, it's, maybe it's a secret you don't want anyone else to know about. And I think also the psalmist is offering maybe similar advice that we would offer to our kids as parents, right? Hey, be careful who you hang out with, right? You're going to become like the people you surround yourself with. And it's great advice, but parents, adults in the room, do we, are we following that same advice that we offer to our, to our kids? Are we being aware of who we surround ourselves with? And do you see how this walk and then stand and then sit scenario is really just the perfect example of, of slowly self-destructing? And it just starts with something really, really harmless as walking, right? Walking with the wrong community, though. So the psalmist tells us, hey, if you want a blessed life, uh, if you want joy, if you want true happiness, be careful who you surround yourself with. And then the writer goes on and says, okay, that's the don'ts. Be careful. Don't do that. But what should we be doing? He says, hey, if you want a blessed life, don't do this. Instead, or rather, it's whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. Well, first, let's just stop and let's clarify something. What's the law of the Lord that the psalmist is talking about here? Uh, well, in its original context, the psalms were written uh, by and for the Israelites, the Jews, right? God's chosen people. And the law of the Lord that the psalmist is speaking of is also known as the Torah. And the Torah is made up of the first five books of the Bible, right? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. But now in 2021, right, everybody has access to 66 books. Uh, and we often call these the Old Testament and the New Testament, right? Or the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. And so when we hear the psalmist say the law of the Lord, uh, we can think of this as God's word to us, okay? So the writer is saying, blessed is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord or whose delight is in God's word and who meditates on his law or meditates on his word day and night. And, and there's two words here, though, that we can't, we can't pass over, the words delight and meditate, because delight describes the great pleasure that we, uh, that we take in something. And the word meditate is describing what we put all of our mental focus or energy into. You see, it's one thing uh, to appreciate God's word. It's one thing to, to pick it up and, and to read it. But it's another thing to delight in his word, right? The definition of delight simply just means great pleasure. So let me ask you just think about this. Do you, do you take delight in God's word? Do you take great pleasure in reading his word? And if not, why is that? The psalmist says, blessed are those who delight in the law of the Lord. But the second word is equally as important as the first. You see these two words kind of go hand in hand because whatever we take great pleasure in, isn't that often the very same thing that we meditate on? So let me ask this question. What's one thing that you, that you think about day and night that kind of just consumes you? What is it that you maybe enjoy meditating on or thinking about or pondering about or even sharing with other people? As I can tell you, it's a few different things for me, but to specify maybe just two of those, it would be music. I love music. I love playing music. I love singing. I, like that's just something, that's a, that's a hobby of mine that I love doing. Another hobby is I've enjoyed video games. I found some friends. We've, we've done, we've done that kind of on the side, especially in 2020. It's been a way to connect with people kind of virtually. Uh, and I'll spend hours of my time investing time and energy. And as my wife knows, money on these things. And if you catch me on my phone nine times out of 10, it's going to be one of these, these two things that I'm, that I'm researching, watching, enjoying. But what is it for you? I want you to take a moment. And just think, what is it for me? What are the things uh, that kind of grab my attention? What are the things that get me excited? What are the things that I, I give uh, a lot or a high percentage of my time to? Whether that's hobbies, it could be sports. What is it for you? Uh, maybe it's work. Maybe it's not always the things that we love that consume um, our attention. Maybe it's school. Uh, maybe it is our phones. Maybe it's a, it's a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Um, it, could be, it could be multiple different things. So what is that for you? 
Because while some of these things might be better or, or seem more important than the others, the psalmist gives us a specific reason why meditating on God's word is actually good and beneficial and far better than any of these other things that, that we might be thinking of right now. Uh, and so let's take a look at the, the next part in verse 3. The psalmist says, that person, the person whose delight is on the law of the Lord and meditates on it. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers, prospers. And what a beautiful picture that the psalmist is painting uh, in this passage uh, right here. And I I love this because it, it almost just the analogy almost just speaks for itself, right? We're the tree and, and the water is God's word. And if we want to grow and we want to be healthy, we want to produce spiritual fruit, then we need to plant ourselves in his word, right? That's what the psalmist is saying. We need to be consuming and meditating on God's word and we have to be doing it day and night. But can I ask you, do any of you struggle with this? Like, if you're being honest, uh, do you struggle meditating on God's word? Are you, are you having a hard time picking up your Bible and reading? Like, would you say that maybe it, sometimes it just feels like a burden or it's something that's on your to-do list? If you're following in the reading plan, maybe you're starting to feel a little bit of that, right? Um, or maybe you're doing it, but can you honestly say that you take great pleasure in reading God's word? And if you're struggling, like, I, I get it. <laughs> I understand. And especially in a year like 2020, right? I mean, 2020 was a difficult year, and I've watched how it's mentally and physically and emotionally and spiritually beaten a lot of people up, and it has me too. I, I think 2020 was kind of a storm that none of us could have seen coming, and, and for most of us, it kind of shook us to our very core, but I learned a lot about myself in 2020. <laughs> I don't know if you all would say the same thing. I learned the good, the bad, the ugly walking through this year, but can I share with you what's been one of the most difficult things for me um, to watch? It's been watching my friends and my family and my church spiritually struggle over this past year. And it's not that they don't love God. I know that they, they love God. It's, it's simply that many of us have been really dependent on Sunday morning church. And I think 2020 has kind of highlighted that in a lot of us, um, that, that that has been a huge thing on our, our priority list. And I think for, for, for some of us, it's because that's the only scraps of spiritual food that we've been getting. Uh, and so we, you know, we come Sunday morning and we take whatever we can and then we try to survive on that throughout the week or maybe month, depending on how often we're at church, but I've also seen this as the reason people leave the church, um, and it's the reason I've seen some people walk away from Genesis, and it often goes something like this. Uh, someone says, I just, I just don't feel like I'm being fed on Sunday mornings. I want to go somewhere where I'm being fed, uh, or I just don't feel like the pastor's going deep enough for me, or I don't feel like the pastor's talking about the important issues, and can I just say that that's, that's not healthy, that's not a healthy mindset. It's, we need to be, we need our spiritual food daily. Uh, we need to be, we need our daily bread. We need to be planted like a tree uh, by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaves don't wither. We need to be connected to the source, but we have to be doing that daily. And I, I really strongly believe that there's one clear answer uh, to why so many of us struggle with this. And even if you're not, even if you don't feel that like you're leaning on, on Sunday morning, um, for that, but there, there's one secret that, that the psalmist didn't know when, when the writer was writing Psalms 1, Psalm 1, and it's this, it's that it's unattainable. This is really, this is really uh, unattainable. I mean, if, think about it, think about it with me. What, is it, what does it look like to meditate on God's word day and night? Who here can say, I'm accomplishing that? I meditate on God's word day and night. I never struggle. I never have a problem with it. I've, I, you know, they, this is something that, that we really can't accomplish. Because we can try our hardest, right? We can try uh, everything the psalmist says here in Psalm 1, and we'd still struggle, and we'd still fail at it. And many of us have this pattern, right? How many of us um, have gotten a routine of, of reading our Bible or getting into God's Word just to fail at it again? I know that I have multiple times. Uh, but you see, we could do all the right things and we could avoid all the wrong things. Uh, we could heed all the warnings and avoid all the don'ts that the writer warns us of. And we could devote our entire lives to being in right standing with God and still we'd, feel, we'd fail at it. We would ultimately, we'd still fail. But how is that? Well, the Pharisees did this. In Jesus' day, there's this group of people known as the Pharisees and they were the most 
religious. They were the most devoted. They were the most faithful Jews who devoted themselves to the law of the Lord. And they did all the things that the psalmist said in this passage. They meditated on the law of the Lord. I mean, these guys memorized, (laughs) they memorized the law. And if you know anything about the Pharisees, then I want you to just think about it. They wouldn't, they wouldn't dare walk with, stand with, sit with the sinners, right? They wanted nothing to do with the wicked, but somehow they still failed. They, they still failed at it. But they failed to see Jesus for who he really was, right? And you see that the religious had God's word to meditate on, but they did it out of their own self-righteousness. They were seeking right standing with God out of their own righteousness. And they thought they could do all of this on their own and by themselves. And what they didn't realize is that it's only Christ's righteousness that allows us to approach God's word with delight. It's only Christ's righteousness that allows us to meditate on it day and night. And the religious thought that they were nailing it. They, they thought God was impressed with their memorization skills, their right living, their disdain for the, the wicked. But what they failed to realize is that none of that matters. None of it matters, right? Because it's only Jesus who puts us in good standing with God. I want you to hear how Paul the Apostle, a spiritual leader of the early church, this is how he puts it in 2 Corinthians 5.21. He says, God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Paul helps us see that if Jesus doesn't do this, this one thing, we're stuck with our own righteousness, just trying to do whatever we can to please God, But here comes the part that really hurts. We have to realize that we are the sinners, that we are the mockers, that we are the wicked that the psalmist speaks of, that we have no chance of being like a tree planted by a stream of water by ourselves. We can't do it by ourselves. We need Jesus. Paul goes on to say in Philippians 3, 9, he couldn't put it any more clear. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. And that's good news. For those of us who are in Christ, that should be good news. That should be something that gets us excited. We no longer have to count on our own righteousness because instead we become righteous through our faith in Christ. We can now come to the source whenever wherever, right? And we can delight and meditate in God's word without the burden or the inward questions that maybe some of us uh, say or we say to God, God, am I good enough? Uh, Am I reading my Bible enough? Um, How am I ever going to catch up on this reading plan? Have any of you felt that burden uh, while we've been going through this? Uh, God, are you pleased with me? Father, are you proud of me? Hey, God, did you notice how I didn't take part in any of the wicked things those people over there were doing? God says, you don't have to ask any of those questions. You don't have to ask any of those. Your faith in my son is all you need. God says, hey, I'm proud of you because of my son. I'm pleased with you because of my son. You're good enough because of my son. Because of your faith, come, drink from the well that never runs dry. Get your fill of living water. Delight in my word with no stress, with no worry, with no anxiety, because you're my child, and you're my child because of your faith in my son. Now that's good news, am I right? For those of us in Christ, that is good news, but there's a catch. There's a catch to all of this. The the promise the psalmist is referring to in Psalm 1 and the promise that Paul refers to um, reminds us, the the thing that Paul reminds us of, this isn't for everyone. This this promise is not for everyone and that should bother us, especially as Christians, that should bother us. Because Psalm 1 says, those who delight in God's word and meditate on it, they'll be blessed, but we can't ignore verse 4 when the psalmist says, not so the wicked. Not so the wicked, they are like chaff that the wind blows away. Well, what is chaff? Chaff is, uh, is the, the husk or the shell. I have a picture of it here. The husk or a shell of grains or coverings of seeds. And during harvest, this is the part that's thrown away. It's deemed useless. It's the part that falls to the ground and it's just blown away. 
And if you look at it, it has, it has no chance up against winds or storms, right? There's, how, how could it? There's no roots. It's nothing compared to the visual that the psalmist gives us of this lush tree that's planted by streams of flowing water. And which would you rather be? Do we want to be like this, something that's easily tossed or thrown away? Or do we want to be like a tree that's planted by streams of water? I don't know about you, but to me, I want to be like the tree. But I want to point out something to you that I missed the first few times that I read over Psalm 1. It's something that I noticed. And the psalmist here in Psalm 1 is actually speaking to groups of people, to communities, The psalmist says, do not stand in the way of sinners or sit in the company of mockers, plural. Not so the wicked, they are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. The writer's speaking about communities here. You can follow in the way of mockers and and sinners and you can be blown away like useless chaff or you can choose to grow deep roots together and be like a tree that's planted by waters. Guys, we we can't miss this. The psalmist is making this really clear for us. We can't do all this alone. And it's not just that we, we can't do this alone. It's that Jesus didn't intend for us to do life alone. That's why he created this community called the church. That's why we decided as a church family to read through the Bible from beginning to end. So let me ask you, for those of you who would say, yes, I follow Jesus, I know him, let me ask you, how's that relationship going? Are you standing, uh, are you standing in, in the stream of God's word? Are you growing strong in him? Are you surrounding yourself in a good community? So we need to be around others. We need, to, we need people who hold us accountable to this, and we need to be holding other people accountable. Psalm 1 cautions us to take a close look at who our communities are. So do you have people in your lives? Do you have people in your lives who are moving you away from God, or do you have people in your lives who are drawing you closer to him? Or let me be more specific, do you have people who are drawing you closer to Jesus or further from him? And maybe for some of you, this means that you need to join a group And you need to be a part of the smaller community uh, here at at Genesis Church. And I I don't know uh, if maybe some of you are in this group and some of you are in groups already. But if you're not, like you need need a community. I can tell you, my wife and I, when we came to Genesis uh, four years ago, we went almost a year without a group. But the moment that we found the smaller community, it was life-changing for our family. Life-changing. We're still in in that same group. And it is so encouraging. It's so encouraging being part of this, this group who holds us accountable, who we, we show up and we get together and we pray together and we, we're in God's word together. And there's this really healthy accountability piece of that. If you don't have that, you need that. And I'm not just talking to adults. High school students, middle school students are in the room, gen kids in the room as well. You need a community too. Get connected in your gen kids class. Get connected with uh, your teachers and their high schoolers and middle schoolers. What does your community look like? Who are you surrounding yourself with? I'll invite you, come, come out uh, and join our student ministry. Join GSM. Get a strong community around you. Because if there's anything that all of us have learned in 2020, it's that we need community, that we're not, we're not meant to do life alone. But it's not just any community. We need a community that's going to encourage us to be rooted in the word of God. Because whether it's a year like 2020 or the next big storm in life or the winds or whatever it is that comes, We don't want to be like useless chaff. We want to be rooted and we need a community to do that. Now let me take a moment here and just talk directly to those of you in the room maybe today that would say, I've heard of Jesus, but I don't know if I know the Jesus that you're talking about. But maybe you'd say, but I'm interested. I'm listening. Let me say that you... You can get to know him today. You can start today by getting to know Jesus. You can get started by reading his word. Join our church. Start reading through the Bible from beginning to end with us. Uh, Start just walking and standing and sitting with people who are going to help you get to know him more. But I'd encourage you, don't wait. Why wait? If you're interested, Jesus wants a relationship with you. He desires to start a relationship with you. And that relationship can start today. In fact, all you have to do is put your faith and trust in him. 
but don't do it alone. I would encourage you if today that you're making that decision, that you're putting your faith in Jesus, go tell somebody. Come tell me. Uh, tell one of our pastors here. Tell one of your friends here. We want to celebrate with you if you're making that decision. But wherever you are today, wherever any of us in this room are today, know this. God wants each and every one of us to have a blessed and fulfilled life. I'm confident that that's his desire for each of our lives. We have a good father. And my prayer for all of us today is this. It's simply that we would take joy in Christ's work on the cross. His death on the cross that paid for our sins, his resurrection three days after that conquered death, Jesus, who never sinned, took on sin so that we no longer have to try to please God out of our own good works, out of our own righteousness, but rather we're made right through our faith in Jesus. So let's rest in that good news today. Let's take delight and let's take great pleasure in that promise. Let's meditate on it day and night. Will you pray with me? Father, I, I thank you for Psalm 1 and the way that you have uh, been speaking to us and the way that you spoke to me throughout this week as I've been reading through this, Father, that you, um, you remind us we're ne never meant to, to do this out of our own good works, out of our own um, righteousness. That's why you sent your son, because nobody can accomplish that. Nobody can do it. Apart from your son, nobody can do it. Father, I pray for those in the room today who are, who are battling with that decision. Should I, should I go after this Jesus? Should I put my faith in him? God, that, that they would make a decision today to know you. God, that they would maybe just take the first steps to get to know you. God, for those of us who've been following you for a long time, maybe that are discouraged. Um, God, that today that they, would be, that they would be encouraged. Father, this is not a, uh, a message of condemnation that they would be encouraged that I don't have to do this out of my own good works. Father, I've been uh, so caught up in doing this out of my own works. I don't have to. Your son, I forgot your son. <laughs> he took care of all, but it's just my faith in him. God, help us to be like a tree that's rooted and planted by streams of water so that whether the storms or the winds or whatever it is that comes our way, Father, that we would be rooted, that we would not be blown away like useless chaff. And God, help us um, stay connected in a community of people who love you, who desire to be closely rooted next to you, Father, that we would have a community like that, God. Father, we just thank you for your son who makes all of this possible. And we pray this in his name. Amen. And hey, would you stand and worship with us?